in light of those would you rather questions, we are starting a new series today called Would You Rather? And so uh, thanks for making it out to this service, especially on a holiday weekend. It's good to have so many of you here. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Thanks for uh, tuning in and being part of this most likely because you were probably gone from service. So thanks for uh, Thanks for being here. Now, as we kick this off, here's the big question for today that you saw in the video. Would you rather be open-minded or narrow-minded? And I know what we all think right off the bat, right? We'd rather be open-minded. Open-minded is what we're, what we're told to be, and there's certainly a lot of good benefits to being open-minded. In life, I know that I've discovered some really great foods being open-minded and willing to try new things. Some of my favorite musicians and bands that I listen to all the time are because I was open-minded to to try a new style and discover something new. Maybe for you, you're in the career field you're in because you were open-minded to something. Or I I would even guess that at least one of you here found your spouse by being open-minded. You know, maybe they weren't initially your first choice, but you thought, well, let's give it the good old one-two, and here you are. So, I mean, that's a pretty good gig, I would think, right? And and culture is definitely telling us to be more open-minded. That is definitely the big push in our world today. And you know what? There are some things where we should be. We need to be open-minded to try new things. We should be open-minded to how we solve problems and looking at different solutions. We definitely need to be more open-minded in how we treat people in interpersonal relationships. I mean, there are a lot of benefits to being open-minded. But... Is being open-minded always the best? I'm not so sure. Do we need to be open-minded about math, or does 2 plus 2 equal 4? Something to ponder. Do we need to stay open-minded about who the first president of the United States was, or like, can we just agree, that's been settled, it's George Washington, let's move on to something else? Should we remain open-minded when it comes to navigational directions? I mean, is, is north anything other than north? Is south anything other than south? Are those things that we should be open to interpretation and, and trying new things? I mean, where would that get us in life? I know that the push is to be open-minded. And in fact, in our world today, being called narrow-minded is like one of the biggest insults there is. But aren't there some times where we want to be narrow-minded? Aren't there even some times where we want other people to be narrow-minded? I, I think driving down the road is a great time to be narrow-minded, okay? I don't want other drivers trying to reinterpret laws and push the boundaries of what is the double yellow line. I want to be narrow-minded in my lane, and I want all of you to be extremely narrow-minded in your lane. When we're buying a house or maybe building a dream home, don't we want the contractor and the architect and the builders to be narrow-minded? We want them to be narrow-minded in their measurements and snow loads and where plumbing goes and all that. In fact, we want them to be so narrow-minded we hire inspectors to come back and double-check their work because we don't want wiggle room. We don't want gray areas. That's why we have permits and codes and standards and all these different things because we actually want people to be narrow-minded. If somebody commits a crime against you or a loved one, don't we want the police to be narrow-minded in finding the right person? We don't want them just picking anybody. We don't want them to arrest the wrong person. And way on the other side, we don't want them to be so laissez-faire about it that nothing gets done. There are times in our lives where we want and need to be narrow-minded. And like, here's, here's the thing. There are definitely some benefits to being open-minded, 
But in our world today, it seems like we're so quick to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Well, if we're going to be open-minded, that means this one's bad. Hold on a sec. Is it? Because I think there are just as many good reasons and good situations to be narrow-minded as well. And here's the big kicker for us today. For those of us in the room or those of us watching online that are Christians, being narrow-minded is necessary. It's required. I, I don't know why it seems to be that in our world today, Christian, the, the Christian faith, the Christian religion is the one that's always singled out as, oh, Christians are so narrow-minded. I don't think that's just my perspective, okay? This is not just like me, a Christian, trying to do a sad sob story. In our world today, Christians are, are constantly mocked and, and ridiculed and made fun of for being so narrow-minded. And even people like Tom Bernard on KQ and, and Joe Rogan have noticed the same thing. But that that definition or that, that um, way of viewing Christianity is not wrong because Christianity is very narrow-minded. The Christian belief, the Christian faith has some very narrow-minded views and stances on a lot of different topics. Not because Christians make it out to be, maybe some people are really extreme, not because we want it to be, but because of this, because the ultimate source of truth for Christians, the Bible, is very narrow-minded. There are so many doctrines and ideas about life and morality and God and eternity that are extremely narrow-minded. Christians have very narrow-minded views compared to culture on the sacredness of marriage between a husband and a wife, one man and one woman. Christians have a very narrow view on any sort of sexual activity outside of that relationship being a sin. I know culture says otherwise and be open and do whatever we want, but Christians hold a very narrow view. Christians hold a very narrow view on the value of human life. In almost every other culture, certainly throughout history, you were valuable if you were born in the right family, if you had enough money, if you achieved something great, but Christians hold a different view, a narrow view that every single human being is made in the image of God and is worthy of love and respect and like just this absolutely amazing, regardless of age, regardless of ability, regardless of gender or sex, every human being is valuable to God. While we're on the topic of gender and sex, Christians hold a very narrow view when it comes to matters like homosexuality and transgender issues. Not because a homosexual person or a transgender person is any less valuable, okay? That's not it at all. But our source for truth has a narrow stance and therefore because of that, Christians, we are compelled to uphold that narrow stance. And I don't know why those ones get picked out all the time. We don't talk about all the other sins that Christians have very narrow-minded stances on too because pride, for a Christian, pride is always wrong. Greed is always wrong. Gluttony is always wrong. Gossip is always wrong. Lust is always wrong. Stealing is always wrong no matter how little we have and how much somebody else has and how we try to justify it. Stealing is wrong idolatry is wrong no matter what the American dream tries to convince us otherwise. Lying, even if it's a little white lie, even if we think it's going to you know, help save somebody some pain, lying is always wrong. There are so many narrow beliefs within this thing called Christianity. 
Because as Christians, again, those of us that are Christians, if you're here today or watching online and you're not a Christian, you don't have to play by any of these rules, okay? You can, you can be as open-minded as you want. But for Christians, we believe that absolute truth exists. That there is absolute right, there is absolute wrong. And I know in our world today, there's a lot of people saying there are no absolutes, but to me that sounds like an absolute statement about having no absolutes, which absolutely blows my mind, okay? Like I don't... I don't understand that. But here's the thing. The more culture, the more institutions in our world, just the more people move towards this open-minded, let-all-be-all stance happen, simply by default, the more narrow and narrow and narrow Christianity seems to be. And we are told and encouraged today from so many different places that we need to compromise, that we need to, it started off with tolerate, and now it's accept, and I, I think in some cases now, now it's celebrate, that we have to celebrate and uphold and have big parties for every lifestyle and every decision and every way people want to live. But Jesus said something different. Sometimes we have this view of Jesus that he was just this laid, you know, laid back, chill, kind of hippie sort of Jesus, That's not a totally accurate view of who he is because Jesus also said things like this. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Peace is cool. Getting along with people is certainly something great to work towards, but not at the expense of truth. Not at the expense of of being open-minded to things that need to stay narrow-minded. Jesus even goes on from here to say, listen, this this truth that I'm telling you, this truth that I'm going to stand for and, and try and teach and want you to stand for too, it is so divisive it might actually separate a father from a son, a mother from a daughter. This truth is so important. Peace is not the goal. If peace is the result, cool. But the goal is truth. It might actually drive a wedge between family members. If, if there were some award out there, like the VMAs or something, if there were an award for narrow-mindedness, Christians ought to be undefeated. We ought to win it year after year. Why? Because Jesus said some of the most narrow-minded claims ever. He claimed to be the one and only Son of God. That's narrow. Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody would come to the Father. No one would go to heaven except through him. That is such a narrow stance to have. And it's not like he was trying to hide this from people. These weren't like, you know, conversations he had behind closed doors. He was very open with this to anybody who would listen. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Listen, the highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. And the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. Jesus told anybody who would listen to him, especially to his disciples, listen, what I'm telling you is the truth. What I'm telling you is not going to be popular. I want you to know that persecution is going to be coming, that if you believe in me and if you follow what I teach, people are not going to like what you have to say. But he said, I'm telling you the truth. The way is narrow. The truth is narrow. 
The reality is that Christians need to be more narrow-minded when it comes to these sorts of things. In fact, I would say in light of the way culture is moving, in light of the, what we see happening in the world, we need to be even more narrow-minded. And so many times in the Bible, we are urged to do this, to stay narrow, to stay focused, to not compromise, to not give in, to resist that urge to go the way of the world. In one of his letters, Paul says this. He tells Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me. A pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. This is going to take some spiritual help for our, on our part because this is a huge task. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. He tells Timothy, don't give in. Don't back down. Don't be open-minded. Guard that truth. No matter what culture says, no matter what people say, no matter what way you feel like would be the easy one to go, Timothy, I'm compelling you. I'm charging you. Carefully guard the precious truths of Christianity. He goes on a little bit later in this letter to say what the world is going to become like. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Timothy, I want you to know they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. And they will love pleasure rather than God. I think Paul could have saved some ink and parchment by just saying, Timothy, 2022 is coming. I just want you to know like people are going to go crazy. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you see and people are going to do it in the name of open-mindedness. People are going to justify their actions in the name of tolerance, but Timothy, I am warning you, beware. He goes on to say this, but you, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Timothy, stay faithful. Stay narrow-minded. Don't budge on these truths. Why? Why can we have that assurance? Because of this. Because all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Christians need to stay narrow-minded on the truth because we believe that the scriptures are the inspired word of God. That the words on the pages of the Bibles that we have on our phone, print, whatever, that they're not man-made myth. They're, it's not like you know somebody who's trying to tell a good story. We believe this is the divine heart of God for our lives and what is true and right and good and beneficial, teaches us what to do, what's right, corrects us when we are wrong. And here's the thing. If we start to let things slip that shouldn't, who's going to be there to stop it? If we start to justify sins, who's going to be there to say enough is enough? 
Christians, if, if we don't stay narrow-minded to the truth, who will? And so here, here, here's the thing, this, this would-you-rather question, would you rather be open-minded or narrow-minded? I think in light of culture, in light of what the Bible says, in light of what Jesus said, in light of who Jesus was, we need to be more narrow-minded than ever. In fact, I would even go so far as to say being open-minded in some instances might even be a sin. That's not something we want to do or mess around with. We need to be narrow-minded. But here is the million-dollar question that we don't talk about enough and that we certainly, I think, when I look at Christianity in the West, that we don't think about enough. How do we do this the best? Okay, we know we're supposed to be narrow-minded. We're told to guard the truth. How do we do this the most effectively? How do we share this narrow-minded truth in a way that, do, that offends as least people as possible, that doesn't purposely tick off people, that actually draws people to the truth rather than push them away? Is it even possible in our world today to be narrow-minded and still be effective and what God has called us to do. I think it is. It's not easy, but I think it's possible. And there's, there's two things that I want to talk about as it relates to being narrow-minded in our world today. Um, the first one is just my opinion, and then the second one is based on the Bible, okay? So we'll, we'll save the best for last. What the Bible says is this. You guys, it's not funny if it's a pity laugh, okay? Just don't even laugh at that point, all right? <clears throat> Here's the thing. This is my opinion. There is a, uh, a diagram that I saw from another church. This is probably 10 years ago. And I don't know if this is going to work for you like it works for me, but this is, this is for me how I approach many different topics in life, but just on, on Christian issues right now. This is a lens through which to view how to deal with our narrow-mindedness in an effective way. And, and there's different levels of beliefs or convictions or ideas we have. And uh, out here, outside of these three circles, are stuff that I'm just going to call dumb. Okay? Listen, I've only got 24 hours in a day and a limited number of brain cells. I don't have time to spend it on talking about whether you think the earth is flat or the moon is made of cheese, okay? Like, there's, there's some stuff that, so if you want to say this way is down, I don't know where to go from there, okay? You got to talk to somebody else. Some stuff is just so out there, so doesn't make sense, so dumb, I don't even deal with that stuff, okay? Now, in, in all of this, I'm not trying to say what needs to be in your circles, okay? I'm going to explain this from my perspective to help us understand how to deal with this. Some stuff that's dumb, whatever. In this first largest circle, these are things that I'm willing to discuss. These are interesting things. These are things that we can have a conversation back and forth about. Probably not going to lead to any sort of debate or anything like that, but just, cool, what do you think? Oh, this is what I think. We have a discussion about it. For me, things that I would put in this discuss category would be the age of the earth, um, whether God created the universe in six literal 24-hour periods or not, um, things like angels, things like spiritual gifts, all that. I have beliefs about all of those, 
But they don't go much past just discussion. I'll tell you what I think, you tell me what you think, and we just kind of leave it from there. The next circle in, a little tighter group of things, these are beliefs I have that I will defend. These are stronger convictions that I have. These are things that matter a little bit more to me. Again, I'm not telling you what needs to go in your defense circle, but for me, I would put in here that men and women are different on purpose, that men shouldn't try to be women, women shouldn't try to be men. We are different by God's design. We have different roles, different abilities, different ways that God wants us to interact with each other. I would put in this defend circle um, stuff about the church and its mission. I would defend that very strongly. I would put in this defense circle um, supernatural miracles. I believe they happened in the past, and I believe they still happen to this day. I have seen them with my own eyes. I will defend these different things in here. I would probably have a debate about this. Things might get a little heated on things in this defend category, things that I hold a very narrow view on. But this middle circle right here, this is stuff I'll die for. Nothing else in the other circles am I going to die for, but these I will. And I would suggest all Christians have at least the same core ones in our die for beliefs. That we believe that the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God. That we believe that there is one God in three separate unique persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I would also put in here any sort of doctrine or belief as it relates to salvation that every single human being has sinned, that not one of us are righteous, that Jesus was God's one and only Son, lived a perfect sinless life, voluntarily went to the cross as payment for our sins, and that when we put our trust in what Jesus did for us, that we can be made right with God. These are things that I will go to the firing squad over. You can take what you want, you can imprison, you can do whatever, I'm taking a bullet for those beliefs right there. And here's sometimes what I think we miss when it comes to our beliefs and sometimes our narrow-minded ways. The more beliefs move towards the middle, the more narrow we have to be. We have to. They mean more. Not only to us, but they mean more for other people's lives. We, the more things move this way, the more we are compelled and commanded to be narrow-minded. But the reverse is also true. This is where I think a lot of us miss it sometimes. The more things move towards the outside, the more we have freedom to be open-minded. Now, I'm not saying don't have convictions, okay? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should just blindly follow along with anybody says just in the name of getting togetherness and kumbayaing. That's not it at all. But I'm saying let's be wise in what's most important. What's most important for Christians, especially in dealing with non-Christians, is not getting people to agree with us on how old the earth is. It's just not. What the goal is, is getting people to understand what Jesus did for them, that they would put their trust in him. And sometimes we make this and this, and unfortunately sometimes even this, a barrier to reaching people with this narrow-minded truth. Let's not do that. Let's make sure we are wise in how we share our narrow-minded truth with people. That's the circle. That's number one. <clears throat> the second thing is this. 
we've got a very narrow-minded truth to share. And uh, how we share that truth makes a big difference. Because I could stand up here and I could read straight from the Bible. I could tell you that now God has made a way for us to be made right with him as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. That every single one of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But through putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be made right with him. Anybody annoyed yet? Sometimes, oftentimes, unfortunately in our world today, how you and I as Christians share the truth does more harm than good. Because you and I, we could stand up here on this stage or we could talk to our coworkers or our family members and we could give the best, clearest, most right, most narrow message on the necessity of putting our trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, that there is no other way. But if we're doing this the whole time... Are we winning anything? Are we doing more harm than good? I think so. Sometimes we become so offensive and so repulsive in the way we share the truth that we prevent people from ever making a decision on that truth themselves. And Paul talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but if I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We might as well take that cymbal everywhere we go and bash it in people's faces. He goes on in the next verse to say, listen, if I could prophesy just this amazing spiritual gift, if I knew all the deep secrets of God, but didn't love others, who cares? He says, if I, if I would give everything I had, if I would give all my money, if I would give my life at the stake, but it wasn't motivated by a love and genuine care for other people, then who really even cares? Good, pat yourself on the back and move out of here. I think Paul would say as it relates to this, would you rather question, so you can say the most right thing ever and be right on point. But if you don't do it out of a love for others, you might as well just keep your stinking mouth shut. Because here's the thing, for those of us who are Christians, we can be totally right and totally wrong at the exact same time. Andy Stanley, a, a, a pastor about 10 years ago, said this about Christians, that Christians have a choice. We can make a point or we can make a difference, but only one of the two. And sometimes I think we become so interested, so focused on making our point here heard we couldn't even care any less about making a difference in someone's life. And we never, not once, see Jesus doing that. James Anderson is a professor at Reformed Theological Seminary. He says this, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God from heaven and that only those who believe in him will have eternal life. Very, very narrow, maybe the most narrow-minded statement that ever existed in our world. But yet when we read the four Gospels, we don't encounter a narrow-minded, intolerant, arrogant man. Rather, we see a wide-hearted, selfless, and humble man full of grace and compassion towards others. Don't answer out loud, but do you think that could be said about most Christians in our world today? 
Don't answer out loud, but do you think that could be said about you and I today? I want to read some verses from the Bible that we believe is all inspired and everything is true and we hold on to these ones and we hold our stance so hard because this is true and this is right. These verses are just as true and just as right, but in the last few years, maybe in the last few decades, many of us as Christians have lost sight of this truth. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. There's nothing in here from Paul about backing down. There's nothing in here from Paul about being soft on the truth. He's just saying be gracious in your approach. Paul also writes this. He says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to only people who agree with you. Be kind to only people who hold the same beliefs. No, be kind to everybody. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth because perhaps, just maybe, God, if you could move, our hearts would be this. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. If you're a Christian in the room or watching online, the last time you tried to have a conversation about your narrow-minded stance or beliefs with a non-believer, how did you view them? Did you view them as a victim of the devil's work in this world? Because we're told in the Bible that our battle is not against flesh and blood. There are spiritual things happening. Spiritual. There is an enemy at work against us. And sometimes in our effort, in our drive, and maybe our own selfishness, if we're honest, to make a point, we have forgotten that the other person is a real human being, loved by God, created in his image for whom Jesus died. I know we have the truth, but does our attitude towards them reflect that truth or not? Are we more interested in making a point or making a difference? Paul doubles down on this idea just a couple chapters later. He reminds Timothy again, Timothy, patiently correct and rebuke and encourage people with good teaching. Be patient in how you deal with people. Peter, in one of his letters, says that Christians ought to always be able to defend our beliefs, why we have such a narrow mind. He says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, but to do it in a gentle way and respectful way. Sometimes as Christians, I think gentle and respectful are maybe the words least used to describe us. But Peter says, why? Do it in this way because even if the other person doesn't agree with you, your life will be your defense. The way you love and treat others will be a reflection of God through you. Do it in a gentle and respectful way. When it comes to this, would you rather question, would you rather be open-minded or narrow-minded? Again, for those of us who are Christians, this is not the easy answer. I'm telling you, it's not easy. But it is the best answer when it comes to matters of morality and faith and life and what God says. It is the answer we must choose. 
But let's be wise with our approach. Let's be courageous and compassionate at the exact same time. To me, I think the best answer to this would-you-rather question is this, that we need to have an open-minded method for a narrow-minded message. You and I, those of us that are Christians, we need to have an open-minded method for a narrow-minded message. Or in other words, just be more like Jesus. (laughs) Just be more like Jesus. In John's Gospel, he says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Not one or the other. Not 50-50, but 100% grace and at the exact same time, 100% truth. We need to be narrow-minded. We need to guard the truth. We need to resist the urge to start opening the doors to whatever culture tells us. But we also need to do it with love and care and compassion and patience on behalf of the other people. That out of our own relationship with God, out of an understanding of how much God loves us, the incredible price he paid for us, his kindness that drew us to the truth, that that would be the overflow in the same way that we approach people as well. An open-minded method for a narrow-minded message. So maybe, let's try that on for size, huh? How's that sound? Let's pray together before we head out. Father, um, you know even better than we do that this is something impossible for us. We just, we can't do it. We are fallen human beings. We, I am too selfish. I have too much pride still in my heart to be like your son Jesus. God, that's where we need your help. We need you to change our hearts. We are giving you permission, Father, to fill us again with your Holy Spirit, to transform our hearts and our minds to be more like you. God, we want people to understand and discover the truth that we have. It's just we can't really do that effectively on our own. And so, God, would you work through us? Would you develop in us more of yourself so that when we talk to people, when we defend our beliefs, when we share the truth with others, it comes from a place of genuine love, just like you to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.